You're listening to the Emmanuel Christian Center podcast. Join us as we jump into our series, Reclaim Your Future. Our past, our pains, and the scripts we've adopted can make us feel like we've missed our chance. But God is a God of opportunity. Where we may feel something is lost, God sees value. He restores that value and reclaims it, giving us new hope and purpose. So get ready. God is on the move. Today we continue our series on reclaiming your future. And I'm super excited because we have Will Jones with us. And Will has been a part of our staff for three plus years now. And uh, been a big part of what God is doing in our church. I'm excited about the word he's about to preach. But you may not know that he also leads an organization, a ministry called AMI, Awakening Ministries International, where all around the world, he goes and preaches and leads an organization. They do teams in and out of countries to inspire believers in those countries to do the work of God. And he preaches to crowds, whether they be small crowds or crowds of thousands. He gives his best. I'm grateful to have Will as my teammate, and he's your Kingdom Builder partner as well. So everything, when you give to Kingdom Builders, you're also giving toward AMI and the ministry that Will and the whole team are doing, and Will and Jen are here today, and we're so thankful for you. Would you give it up for Will Jones as he brings the word today? Wow, it's always great to be home, friends. I love, you know, I have few man crushes. Um, and Pastor Nate is one of them. I'll, I'll just confess today, man, he is such a shepherd at heart. And I love my pastors, Jay, Nate and Jody Roos. And just you as an Emmanuel family, it's always a privilege to be able to come back home and share God's word. And so today I'm super excited to help close out this series on reclaiming your future. And we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to also look at the book of Acts. And we're going to look at Jeremiah and then Moses. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. If you got an iPhone, Android, we'll have prayer for you later. Um, And uh, we're just going to jump right into God's word. So uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, we'll read. It says this, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, arise and go down to the potter's house And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Somebody say, he made it again. Wow, this is great. It says, into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Verse 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as, look, as this clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down and destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. I want to preach this service for about two hours, 45 minutes, and 16 seconds. Are you going to be with me still? 
No, it's awesome. But I just want to kind of encourage you today, friends, with this thought. In the potter's hands. In the potter's hands. Uh, I want to make sure I give credit to Dr. Ralph West, who helped inspire me with some of this content as I share with you today. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to your heart. But as we jump into Jeremiah, I want you to know something about a potter. He was a famous potter. His name was Josiah Wedgwood. And he was born in the early, late 1700s. And he was a potter in the 18th century during the time of this yellow fever pandemic that was happening over in London and England and those parts of the world. And he would become a master potter, to be exact. His father wasn't potter, and he was his apprentice. And he got sick and had to get one of his legs amputated, unfortunately. And so that was the leg that he used to kind of tap the button that would control the machinery of the potter's will to perfect his skill as a potter. And so he had to relearn how to use the will with a different leg. And that takes a lot of skill and technique. And one of the things that I learned as looking through the biography of Josiah Wedgwood's life is that when he experienced a setback, which could have looked like failure, he determined in his mind that failure wasn't final. And I want you to understand that today failure isn't final, friends. It's, it's an event. It's not your identity. And so I love this text of Jeremiah because we see this allegory of Scripture. Let me explain what that means to you. Uh, it's an allegory. Jesus sometimes in the New Testament would also use some things that were maybe extreme, hyperbole, or just to get a point of truth that he was trying to convey. And it's also something called parables. Those are kind of very similar. But this story, he uses allegory, and it kind of has some underlying meanings to it. The potter in this story represents God as the divine potter. The wheel that the potter's working on represents life circumstances. And the clay represents you and I as humanity. And so in this story, I want you to see the potter and the divine potter, God. I want you to see the wheel that this potter is working on as God is using this imagery to tell Jeremiah about what he's saying to Israel. And then I want you to see the clay, which represents you and I as humanity. And if you would take anything away from today, I want you to take away these three things. God makes us, life mars us, but God mends us. I want to say that to you again. In this story, you're going to see how God makes us. Life will mar us, but God mends us back together again. And as Jeremiah jumped into this scenery of watching the potter, I want you to see some differences and similarities here between the divine potter and the human potter. Uh, one of the main similarities is this. The human potter is much like the divine potter in this way. Really one way. They're both able to touch, shape, and mold the clay into whatever, whenever, and however they see fit. I want you to know that about God. He's able to shape you in whatever way, whenever he wants to, and however into whatever he wants to. Because he's God. He makes us. 
And the difference is, though, as we see in this text, is this. The divine potter from the human potter, this human potter that Jeremiah is watching work this master pot, this master clay into this masterpiece, it's amazing to see what the human potter does, but in actuality, he still is flawed. What do I mean by that? Regardless of how skilled he is, there's always some type of flaw in his technique. And that's the difference between the human potter and the divine because that's not so with God. Why? Because God is the perfect potter. When he touches you and he shapes you and he molds you, he always gets the best out of you. And that's the beauty about God as the divine potter. But it's also the difference about the human one we see. Another way that God is not like the human potter is the human potter can only work on one vessel at a time. He can only do one thing at a time. And that's so interesting because as masterful as he or she could be, just the slightest distraction away from that clay will mar the clay. But it's not the case with God. Why? Because God is so God, the creator of the universe, of heaven and earth, of humanity, that God can work on millions and billions of vessels at the same time. God can work on humanity all at once. He's not like this potter we see here in this text. But the interesting thing is this, friends. There's another difference. I would say it's the final one. The human potter is not like the divine God is in a way that the potter, the human one, never could create the clay. I want you to catch that. He never could create the clay. The clay was already there. He, he only could work with the clay. But that's so interesting because it's the opposite of God as Genesis 2, 7 tells us that God himself, the Lord God, formed man out of the earth or the dust. What is clay? It's dust. It comes from the earth filled with minerals. And God in Genesis 2, 7 forms us as humanity out of the dust of the ground. My friends, I want to let you know today God has created the clay and he knows how to best work with the clay. He's God. He creates us. He makes us. And if I were to stop here, I think that would be enough of a Sunday school lesson for us to leave and be done today. Because we just learned about God and his sovereignty of how he makes us, how he makes us the best we we can be. But the reality of it is Jeremiah sees something as he's watching this master potter work with the clay. And friends, I want you to see how he turns to now the clay, which represents you and I as humanity. He's, he's watching this potter and he looks beyond how God makes us. Now he's looking at the clay and how life mars us. As a matter of fact, he says in verse four, he says this, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. You see, Jeremiah noticed something as he watched the potter who himself represented humanity as the clay. He recognized as he looked at him that in this one way, we too are like the potter that he was watching. And that is this. We have all been created for one single purpose. 
Do you want to know what it is? It's that we would yield our lives to God. You see, the potter was working with the clay, but the clay itself had to be in submission to the potter in order to become what the clay would want to become. And it's amazing as we look at this story because, friends, life mars us. Some of you have been through so many difficult things in your life. Just to give you a few examples, maybe you've been through relationship hurts and pains. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you've had some kind of unexpected pregnancy that didn't know that you didn't expect in your journey as a young woman. Maybe you lost a loved one or someone close to you. Maybe you found yourself getting addicted to some type of substance and you had no idea or ever thought that that would happen to you. It could have been that you've got depression now or some form of anxiety and you have to medicate in order to cope. Life throws things at you. Maybe you've lost your job and you've been out of work for a long time. Maybe you're in such financial debt that you cannot see how you'll climb your way out of that debt hole. It could be that you never got into the college or the university or became educated like you wanted to or you thought you would or should. It could be that you found yourself getting molested at a young age. Somebody took advantage of you. It also could be maybe you've lost all of your retirement in this past few years and you don't know what you're going to do, how you're going to live. There's so many things that I can keep going on and on about. Why? Because life mars us. Life has its way of getting at us. It has its way of breaking us. And to be honest, in our self-gratifying desires, when life situations come, we often look for solutions to the problems that we feel and experience. But the reality of it is most of us, because of our nature, don't include God in the center of it. And so we find ourselves weeding and edging God out of our solutions that we feel would be best for our lives. There was a man by the name of Sigmund Freud. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a psychoanalyst. I love that it says the word psycho before analyst because he was quite known to be that. And it's amazing, Sigmund Freud, as crazy as he was, he actually contributed to a lot of our modern day medicine. And one of the things about Sigmund Freud, if you were to go visit his place where he used to practice psychotherapy, it looks exactly the same. His desk is in the same place. The couch where he would see patients, the chairs are set up exactly the floor. Everything is in the same place. And one of the things that Freud would do when he would encounter patients is he told them that they had this thing called a neurosis. And basically it was their thought, their ideals and the ideological perspective that there is some kind of God up there, out there somewhere. He said, you, you, that's crazy. If you want to experience peace, friend, then you got to get rid of your thoughts that there is this God up there, out there somewhere. And it's interesting because if you go back to look at Freud's life, he himself was a man that lived with no peace. While he was coaching his patients to get rid of their ideal of God and the solution for their problems, he himself had excluded God out of his own life and wasn't living in peace. 
And it's interesting as I think about old Sigmund Freud, because if you go back to his house again, you find the room and the furniture and everything kind of in the same exact place hundreds of years later. But the very one he told his patients to get rid of is still here. <laughs> You're going to get that later. It's amazing that he was trying to help them rid God out of their life, but Freud is long gone now. And the patients that he used to work with are long gone, but Jesus is still here. Why? Because the word of God will always remain. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God is here. And I just want to tell you, friends, you're going to go. I'm going to go. If Jesus doesn't come back, he still will be here when we're long gone. That's the good news about our God. He is eternal. He is forever. I love what Jeremiah is seeing in the divine potter and the humanity of the clay and how life mars us. But if we were to stop there, I think you'd have a couple of Sunday school lessons to go and chew on this week. But the reality of it is Jeremiah isn't done yet. Because now after he looks at the divine potter, who represents the potter, who represents God as the divine potter. Now, as he looks at humanity as the clay that's been shaped and molded, he now looks at the instrument, the wheel of what the clay's been shaped on. And this represents life circumstances. You see, like the wheel that we see and read in Jeremiah's text, we can see that this wheel of life circumstances, it turns round and round and sometimes up and down. And that's exactly how life goes a lot of times, friends. It's like we're on this cyclical cycle of going round and round. When am I ever going to get out of this problem? When am I ever going to get out of debt? When am I ever going to get healed? And it's like we go round and round and up and down. And it's interesting. Interesting because when you think about life, it has its way of breaking us. It has its problems that it's throwing at us. But the very thing that breaks you, I want to encourage you today, God will use it to make you. Don't miss that. The very thing that is breaking you in your life, God will use that thing to actually make you. And friends, as we think about life, people... Followers of Jesus, we don't rise to the level of our spiritual capacity or even our leadership capacity without experiencing tough, challenging circumstances. As a matter of fact, circumstances has a way of expanding your capacity. Michael Jordan was a great example of this. You know, he was a southern boy from North Carolina, worked his way hard from nothing went to college at the University of North Carolina, won a Final Four, got to the NBA, became a six-time NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls, five to seven MVPs, all-defensive team. I mean, just incredible resume and accolades that Michael Jordan had. And sometimes we would look at a person like Michael Jordan or whomever that has exceeded so much, and we would say, wow, I want to be like that. Wow, I wonder what it took, but I'm going to tell you what it took. And Michael Jordan also wants to tell you, listen to what he said. He said, I've missed over 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, 26 times. I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why 
I succeed. Friends, life circumstances will not only mar us, but God will use those circumstances to spiritually make us. These circumstances of life, guess what? They can cause you to either be bitter or they can cause you to get better. And I want to help you understand something. As you're going through it, you can either choose to opt out of it and, 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 and remove yourself from life and its circumstances and go in a cave and hibernate, or you can choose to lean into it. We don't have the right to choose what happens to us. But we do have the responsibility of how we respond to what happens to us. And Jeremiah notices as he's watching the wheel of the potter with the clay on it. He notices that the, the clay is in the potter's hands and he's, he notices that the clay becomes marred in the potter's hands, but he notices something so amazing. He, he sees how the potter goes back to that very spot that's marred and he reworks it again. As the wheel goes up and down and round and round, he sees the mastery of this potter reworking it into what he has in mind for it. And I love this because the vessel is marred in the hands of the potter. And let's think about the divine potter for one moment. Because if I see that God is, that, that I am marred as a human being, but I see that I'm in the hands of God, friends, I want to tell you something. If God is holding you, then that means he has the ability to help you. And if I'm going to be marred, let me be marred in the hands of God because it's best to be in his hands. As Jeremiah notices this potter reworking, it actually shows us a sign of patience of God. Why? Because he goes back to the very same spot that has a stick or a stone in it, and he has to remove it and reshape it. And it reminds me of a story of a, a goldsmith that, that was making some gold one day, and he had this gold, and he was purifying it, and it was boiling under this, this, all this material was boiling, and the gold, the impurities were rising to the top. And somebody came along, and they watched, and they said, how is, how is it that you know it's done? And he said, well, you've got to Boil it at a certain temperature, and as you're boiling it, the impurities, they'll begin to rise to the top, and you've got to scrape them off, and then when it gets to that certain degree, it begins to cool down. You remove it, and you put it in this thing where it shapes it, it molds it into whatever type of gold you need it to be, but the real way that I know it's done is when the gold is so pure, I can see my image in it. What am I saying to you? When God is making you, molding you, shaping you, refashioning you, giving you his purpose, what he's doing is he's trying to make you into the image of his son, Jesus, so that when he sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus in you. That's what he wants. And so I want to let you know today that as you're on life's will, you see how God makes you. Life mars you. But God has you on his will. You, you've got a decision to make. Who are you going to blame? Because in, in, in those instances, what we find ourselves doing is doing this. We, we blame the divine potter, God. Well, God, if you were in a, well, God, if you were in a, well, God, why'd you let this? And once we find out God isn't in charge of what we've been through or had nothing to do with what we are experiencing, but he just allowed it because he's God, 
then we kind of move to blaming the clay, which is us. And so you find yourself self-deprivating and getting into this place of deep, dark, anxiety, depression, blaming yourself, the fear of failure, rejection. But then you can probably move beyond yourself and you find yourself, well, if it's not me, then who is it? And so you get to this point of, I'm going to blame the world, humanity. The world's caused my problems. But the reality of it, friends, is you can't blame anyone. Life has its way of marring us. And God will use the circumstances that life brings if we yield ourselves to him and allow ourselves to stay in his hand on his potter's will. He will mend us because he has created us. Even though life mars us and brings brokenness into our lives, God in a supernatural way begins to mend the brokenness. He begins to make the mess into the miracle, into what he has intended purpose for you and your life. And so it's amazing here that we see how God is showing Jeremiah his wonderful attributes of patience and long-suffering and the ability to remake something that was marred. The other person I mentioned earlier that I wanted us to look at was Moses. As we talk about being in the potter's hand and reclaiming purpose, Moses is a great example Acts 17, verse 20 through 36 is quite a long amount of scripture, but we're a word church, right? Come on, somebody. We're a word church. Let's read from Acts 7, verse 20 through 36. Listen to what it says. I want you to understand something here. It says this. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. That's crazy. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, don't miss that. Pay attention, 40 years old. It says, now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who had oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. You see, this is an example of how God made Moses. He's growing him up in the palace because one day he's going to have to go back to the palace to deliver the people who are under the oppression of the king and pharaoh of the palace. But life mars Moses. Because he gets outside of God's plan. Verse 26 says, And the next day he appeared to the two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But who does he who does his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you judge and ruler over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And then at the saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian. Where he had two sons, and when 40 years had passed, catch that, now he's 80. 
When 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the flame of fire in the bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight as he drew near to observe the, observe the voice of the Lord that came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not to look. Then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is a holy ground. I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Do you hear what's happening here? God makes Moses, he creates him, he puts him in the palace. Moses' life is marred because he gets outside of God's plan. But now God's encountering him and saying, I'm getting ready to mend some stuff in your life, Moses. I'm getting ready to bring some stuff back into the original purpose of which I've created you for. And he goes, on in verse 33 he says this take the Lord take then the Lord said to him take off take off your sandals and go down to the place where it's holy and I've surely seen the oppression of my people and then let's jump to 35 it says Moses this Moses whom they rejected saying who made you a ruler and a judge is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him. Closing verse. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. Let me just give you some practicality here. God makes us. Life mars us. And then God mends us. Moses is experiencing this process. God creates him, as I was saying earlier. God, life mars him. Now he's messed up. He's on the backside of the wilderness. And God's getting ready to do something to bring him back into his purpose. Let me just say it in layman's terms this way. Moses spent 40 years in the Pharaoh's palace trying to be somebody. 40 years in the palace, learning, growing, mighty in word, mighty in deed, trying to be somebody. And after one mishap, he spent another 40 years of his life on the backside of the desert, herding sheep, figuring out that he was nobody. But after one encounter with God, the living God, the purpose-giving God, Moses spent the last 40 years of his life figuring out and understanding that God can use anybody. Can I just tell you today, it does not matter where you are, what you've done, who you are. If you yield your life fully to God, he will use you. You may be spending your efforts and energy trying to prove that you're somebody, but my friend, I'm going to tell you, life's going to mar you and you're going to see that you're nobody. But when God encounters you, he'll show you that he can use anybody and he'll use your brokenness. He'll use your weakness. He'll use your flaws. He'll use your insecurities. Why? Because he made you, even though life marred you, he'll bring you back into his original intent and design for your life. And so it's interesting that Jeremiah... He's giving us this visual fixation of who God is. And as you look in the montage of Scripture, literally from Genesis to Revelation, we can see that God was raising up people because he had a plan for the earth. It started all the way in Genesis because man is marred. Humanity is broken due to our sinful nature that pushes God out. And we see that he starts with Abraham. 
the father of many nations. And then he moves on to bring up Moses who would redeem Israel and bring Israel as a people into the covenant worship with God. But then they were jacked up, messed up, stiff-necked and rebellious just like us. And so God tries to use Noah and then he recreates and then it still doesn't work. And so he keeps going all throughout the Bible and all of a sudden, 400 years, there's silence. And then all of a sudden, something happens where God himself says, I'm tired of sending people to do it. I got to do it myself. And so what he did was he sent himself in the form of Jesus Christ, his son, who came in the flesh. It says God dwelt in the flesh and his glory was revealed among us. What am I saying? God became what you and I could not become. He got in the flesh and worked on what he needed to perfect. That's the beauty of a loving, perfect, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God. If you can hear me today, Emmanuel, God wants you to be in his hands. If you're not in his hands, I want you to know you won't find purpose. If you're not in his hands, I want you to know you can search in all the right spaces and places. You won't find purpose. But if you're in the potter's hands, he'll touch your life. He'll shape your life. He'll form your life in the best way that you could ever think or imagine. Today, I want to invite you to come to the potter's house with me. I want to invite you to allow your life to be in his hands. I'm going to give two invitations. The first one is this. Maybe you're listening or you're watching online and hearing this message. You would say, Will, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. That was the beauty of what God did when he sent Jesus Christ. He sent him to the earth as a, as a man to identify with you and I as humans. But he was yet also God because he paid the price for our sin. Jesus, in his own nature of the God-man, he lived the life that we never could have lived, meaning he was sinless. But he had to live that life because the sin and the power of sin that caused the penalty of separation from you and I that would spend eternity away from God outside of his purpose if we died today and didn't know who Jesus was. And so Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's my creation. That's my clay. I've got to die on their behalf and I am going to take their sins and remove their sins from them because they can't do it on their own. And so he lived a life you and I never, ever, ever could have lived, but he died of death we actually should have died but he didn't stay dead because he's alive today after three days later friends Jesus rose from the grave what did he do he defeated the power of sin that separates us from a holy loving and perfect God he paid the price of our sin and the judgment that we should have paid but not only that friends he gives us power to overcome sin now if we give our lives to Jesus and yield to him and so if you've never done that I want to invite you to come to the potter's house with me. Will you give your life to Jesus today? Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here and you've once knew Jesus, but you walked away from him and you need to come back today. Will you make a bold step to say, yes, I'm in for Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to do something so bold. It's just a sign of indication to say, Will, I need to give my life to Jesus either for the first time or I'm coming back to serve him. 
If that's you, if you want me to make you a part of my prayer in just a moment, when I count to three, I just need you to lift your hand high. Don't worry about anyone around you. Don't worry about anyone looking at you. It's just between you and Jesus. And if that's you in this moment, you say, yes, I need to come back or I need to follow Jesus for the first time. Just lift your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Thank you. Keep it high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Hands everywhere. Awesome. This is awesome. 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 I want to invite us all to stand right now as we get ready to close out our time. If you raised your hand, I want to say thank you for being bold to say, I want to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says today is the salvation of the Lord. And this is an awesome opportunity for you to begin a journey of following Jesus. And so if you lifted your hand, Emmanuel, we always say it's, it's for us, for everyone to know Jesus so that we may grow together and live on purpose. And so if you lifted your hand, maybe you're a first time visitor and you've never been here a second, third time. Maybe you've been here and this is your home church, but you've walked away. I want to let you know, welcome home. And we're going to pray this prayer together as one body. It's a prayer of confession. So let's repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin rising from the dead to give me eternal life. Today, I turn away from my sin and I turn toward you, God. Come and live inside of me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may live my life to glorify Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, Emmanuel. Can you just give it up for those... Listen, at the, conclusion of, at the conclusion of our service, Pastor Nathan will come back and help you take some next steps. But I want to give the second invitation here now. I love what Pastor Nate was sensing earlier in the service about the presence of God, the healing anointing that was here. It just aligned so perfectly with the message. Thanks, Pastor, for being a shepherd and being in line with the Spirit. But this is the second invitation. If you're here and you would say, man, well, life has marred me. I'm so down. I'm just broken right now. I don't know what, whatever your situation is, whatever it is, you know what it is. You just, man, life has been difficult, struggling, no hope, it's difficulties. Now, I just need encouragement. Thank you for sharing this message, Will, but I just need encouragement. I want to give you that. And so if you would say, man, that's me, that's me, Will, you were talking to me, I just want you to do me a bold favor. I'm going to count to three again and just lift your hand because we're going to pray with you. So if that's you, just lift your hand. You say, man, well, that's me. That's me. You were talking to me today. Thank you for sharing. Holy Spirit was using me. Come on, lift him high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Friends, this is what we're going to do as a family right now. Keep your hands lifted. We, we believe in community. If you see someone next to you with their hands lifted, come on, just, just touch, gently touch their shoulder if you're able and in reach. If you're not in reach, just extend your hand to them wherever you are. If you see their hands lifted, keep your hands lifted high because we want to encourage you. Sometimes we have to take on the burdens with you. And so we're going to pray right now in this moment and then we're going to go into a worship moment. And the altars are going to be open. The prayer team is going to be down and you can come and respond. But right now, if you have your hand lifted, we just want to pray with you. Let's begin to pray as one body, Emmanuel. Come on and encourage our friends. Father, I thank you for your word, God. Let it sink into our hearts and bring transformation by your spirit, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would encourage every hand lifted. 
Lord, as we're praying right now, even those online watching that couldn't be here in present, Holy Spirit, move through the cameras, the cell phone device, the computer, the TV, Apple TV, whatever it is, you're God, you're omnipotent and omnipresent. God, move through the screen right now and encourage them to know, God, that you created them for purpose. Even though life may have marred them, even though they may be down and out, discouraged, depressed, anxiety, anxious, whatever it would be in their life, God, let them know that you're the God who mends, you're the God who brings hope. You're the God who restores. You're the God who reclaims. And so, Lord, I pray that they would have courage and strength and confidence, Jesus, that you are God and they are best in your hands. Help them to stay in your hands as the potter. And may you make them into the intended purpose of which you've created them for. Thank you that we are in the potter's hands. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.